Hey, this is Andrea, and you're listening to the City Heart Podcast. We hope that this series inspires you, challenges you, and propels you to dive deeper into your relationship with God. Enjoy the message. But again, we're happy to be uh, in service today, and I'm actually starting a new series today called Heart for the House. Right, kind of time it all works together. It's like we planned it or something, right? Heart for the House uh, is a series that we're starting today, so I'm not going to waste your time. If you have your Bible, let's go ahead and open them up, and let's turn to the Word here. We're going to be looking in Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. Again, for those watching us online this morning, thank you so much for waking up. Maybe you changed out of your pajamas. Maybe you didn't. Either way, we're, we're glad that you're watching, whether you're at home or in your car, you're at work. Uh, we know that you literally could have, man, you could have logged into anywhere else, but the fact that you logged into us to watch us today, I'm, I'm grateful, and we're, and we're glad to see you, man. Throw up some hearts in the comment section if you're watching right now so that we know that you're here um, and that you are being blessed by the worship and by our time here today. Uh, Let's take a look here. Luke chapter 2. Again, we're reading in verse number 41. Luke 2, chapter 2. We're going to start reading in verse 41. And this is a kind of a familiar story that you may have heard from in the Word today, but it's really going to set up uh, where we're going with this message today. Luke chapter 2, verse 41 reads like this. It says, every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. And after the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. But they were unaware of it. Ooh, Jesus in trouble. No, I'm saying, right. Verse 44 said, thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. And when they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. And after three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why, Jesus asked him, were you searching for me? Why were you searching for me? He asked him, didn't you know that I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. And then he went down to Nazareth with them and he was obedient to them. Good job, Jesus, right? But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And I love this part. Verse 52 says, and Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Man, if you have something, stick it there in that Luke chapter 2. We're going to come back to that. But I'll check out uh, just one more verse here uh, just to set the tone of where we're going today. And it's uh, Psalm 27. Psalm 27. And we'll look at verse number 4, a specific one out of Psalm 27. I've been in this literally in this chapter all week. We talked about it on first Wednesday. Psalm 27, verse 4 says this. It says, one thing. Everybody say one thing. One thing I ask from the Lord. This only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, 
to gaze or to behold the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. I'm going to preach a message today called Heart for the House, Time After Time. Time after time. Bow your heads, let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much uh, for this day. I thank you so much for, man, this time of worship that we had, God, that we got to come into your presence and, Lord, to connect and to see one another. God, man, even during this time, God, that we, man, got to got to take a moment today just to fellowship with one another. Lord, we appreciate just the opportunity to fellowship, God, to come into your presence, God, to be with you. And Lord, I pray that as we, as we dive into your word today, as we take a look into your scriptures, as, as we digest, Lord, and explore what your word says, Lord, I pray that it would come alive for us. God, I pray that this word would, man, penetrate our hearts, that, that we would not uh, have stony or stubborn hearts to your word, God, but that our hearts would be tender and responsive to the word today. God, I pray that you would use me as a vessel to speak your word, God. Anything in me that's not like you, let it be removed, God. Lord, let, man, let your Holy Spirit move in this moment, in this situation, in this time, God, that we might experience you and that we might understand you better so that we can walk with you better, God. You get the glory out of this moment, out of this time. Lord, we adore you and we magnify you and we thank you for your word, which is the truth and the blueprint for our lives. We give you the glory for it in Jesus' name. We all say together, amen. Heart for the house, time after time, right? Uh, Among, amidst, and among all the chaos of COVID-19 and quarantine, Man, of, of, of everything that's kind of happened in this season, all the things that we've had to deal with, all the adjustments and all the changes that have happened, right? And, and even, come on, if we're honest, some of the struggles that we've had with dealing in this time, man, some of the things that have, if you're honest, frustrated you, anybody been frustrated just a little bit? You can admit it, it's okay, right? Been a little bit frustrated by this season, one of the things, right, you can get caught up in the frustration and you can actually min- miss some of the benefits, of what's occurred in this season. And so I want to I tell you about three that have kind of personally, man, they, they've, it's kind of helped me in this season. Just three quick benefits that have helped me. These are practical ones. These are not spiritual ones, I promise you, right? These are three practical benefits that have helped me in this season, right? Less traffic. Anybody? I mean, come on, like driving down the road, man, we took a, a couple road trips, right? You're just not having to deal with, you know, honking and the beeping and all the stuff, just less traffic everywhere, right? It's starting to pick back up now before a season, you could literally, you know, you could just go down the road and feel like, man, there's no, it's just me on the road, right? And that was amazing, right? So less traffic is just, it's one of the, the minor small benefits of this time. Here's, here's one of my favorites right now. Have restaurants ever been cleaner? For those of you who've gone to one, restaurants have never been clean. Like, this is the time to go. Everybody has an A right now because everybody has to have an A right now. Like, if, you, if you've ever been nervous to eat in a restaurant, now is the time. They're all clean. Every one of them is clean. That's the second benefit. And look, here's, here's the third one I'll give you. And this, this one starts to lean into the spiritual a little bit. But I've, I've seen in this season, people have a genuine desire to be in the house of God. Have you seen that? There's just people that are asking you about church or just curious about, man, like what's going on in your life or what's going on at the church. I've had so many people, people, man, in the stores. Hey, pastor, man, I, I, was, we were, I was at uh, Sam's Club and, and I was grabbing, grabbing something from the church and they were like, well, what are you getting this for? Just random question. I'm like, oh, it's for, it's for church. And they're like, oh, what church is that? Is it open? 
Like, yeah, we're open. Oh, man, yo, pastor said the church is open. We got to go to church. And I'm just like, okay, great. There's a desire that we have. There's a desire that people have to be in the house of God. And look, there's nothing like three to six months of seeing this face on a video camera that would make you want to come and see something different. Right, man, I, can we just come? Man, can we just be in the room and just see some other faces besides Pete? Come on, right? It's, I, I get it. Because even me, I got bored with seeing me. Can, can we just get in the room and see somebody else? But, man, there's this desire and for the house of God. And we miss that experience just of the house of God and what it means for us. But I've said at times before, right, there's nothing like being in the house of God. There's nothing different than, uh, nothing better than safely coming into the house of God, surrounded by all of God's people and experiencing the power of God's presence. There's nothing like it, right? And, and, and so, man, through the Holy Spirit, right, we're lifted, we're, we're, man, we're encouraged. Some of us are even challenged to our very core of, man, of just being in the room again. And what it does is it motivates us to pursue the purpose and the plan of God and to see it manifested powerfully in our lives. There's something about getting around the people of God. There's something about getting back into the presence of God and, and feeling it tangibly. And that's, that's why the people at home, look, whenever you're ready, come on back. Man, we, we're making it as safe as we can because at, at, at a point, watching it at home gets a little boring. And, and there's something about, man, I've, I've got to get back in there. Look, if I've got to wear a mask and get the thermometer checked and sit apart from people and wash my hands and sanitize my hands, look, whatever it takes... I'm willing to do it. Why? Because the presence of God is that important. Getting around the people of God means that much. I'm not knocking anybody that's watching from home. If you don't feel comfortable, hey, I get it. Stay home. It's okay. But make sure that you're tuned in. Make sure that you're connected. Make sure that you're doing all the work that you can from where you are to be a part of the body of Christ. Don't lose that connection. Don't lose what God has given us and that his, his church, his local body. There was a song they used to sing when I, when I was growing up when I was a small kid in church. It was based on Psalm 122. And it said, I was glad when they said unto me. Man, I say, they say three times, I was glad when they said unto me, man, let us go into the house of the Lord. They used to say, another part say, I get happy when they say unto me, Right? I get joy when somebody says, man, that I just have the opportunity to come into the house of God. It should spur some excitement in you. It, like when I think about coming into here, I get excited every time. And is it because I get a chance to preach? No, it's because I get to come in and experience the presence of God and to be around other people that are trying to do the same thing, that they feel like, you know what? No, this is significant for my life. This is important. Being around the people of God and being in his presence actually matters. What is, right, when we say we're glad, what does it mean, right? It's a feeling of delight. It's happiness. It's joy. It's the emotion that many of us feel when we start to think about the house of God, especially me. And what does that feeling do? It draws us back into God's presence. It's the thing that makes us willingly and earnestly desire him again. 
Because once you come in and you feel his presence, once you come in and you feel God's spirit being outpoured into wherever you are, into this room, or maybe it's even in your car at your house, man, there, there's something different about that that has a transformational component to it that you can't get in the world. Think about it. There's nothing that the world has that feels like the presence of God. Right? We, we try to replace it with other things, with drug and alcohol and clubs and, and all this stuff, but there's nothing that compares to coming into the presence of God that has the power to actually transform your life. And that's why the desire for it, that's, I mean, is immense. That's why, man, I get excited about it and I get glad about it, glad that we can be here, even if I have to go through a, a few extra steps to do it. Because time after time, when I come into his presence, something about me changes. Something in my life gets better. There's something that's stirred up in me every time I come into the presence of God. It's that valuable. And, and let me tell you what it is. It's knowing that we're coming into the presence of our father, but also into the presence of our family. Right. You ever get it? I was one of those kids. Right. My, we had a big family growing up, uh, extended family. So like aunts and uncles and cousins, we had a lot of them and we would get excited. I get excited like a month in advance for Thanksgiving. Right. Remember when you thought, oh, man, Thanksgiving was going to be great. Like we would get excited. Why? Because I knew that I was coming into the company of people that I loved and that I knew loved me. And we were going to laugh and sing and share and play games and do all this stuff. And that excited me. It changed my, my perspective as I grew up. And now that we don't do it as often, whenever we do get together, I'm like, oh, man, I'm excited. And what I'm telling you is this. I feel like we should view the house of God in the exact same way way. That when we start to think about, man, coming into this place or coming, man, into the house of God, that we get excited. That, we're, that it's not just some complacent thing that we feel like, oh, we're just going again for sure. No, it should feel like you're going to Six Flags, <laughs> that you're going to Disney World every time you get in. Why? Because of something Oh my goodness, it's amazing. That should be our perspective. And you know what happens when you come into the presence of God? Do you know what occurs when we do that? Every care, you ever notice that? When you get in and you really start to worship, when you really start to rejoice, when you really start to experience God, it seems like every other care in the, word, in the world just sheds away. Have you thought about coronavirus in the last 25 minutes? No. Why? Because your focus and your attention is on God. And what does that, what is that? If I could put a word on that, it's freedom. Amen. It's freedom. If I could put a word on what that feeling is when we come in and why we should get excited, it is freedom. Right? We know from the word, 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, now the Lord is the spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, right, there is freedom or there is liberty. That's the feeling that we have. And man, you can even hear it from Jesus in the story that we told in the response that he gives to his mother and father when they come back to Jerusalem after three days. He asked them, hey, why were you searching for me? What, like, I, I get that you're my parents and I'm your son, but why were you searching for me? Didn't you know that I'd be in my father's house? Didn't you know that I'd be yearning and desiring the place of freedom? 
the place where I feel like every care in the world sheds away and where I can enter into God's presence like never before? Why would you ask me that? You should know this is where I'd be. You should know that there is nothing in the world that would stop me from getting back into the presence of God. There's nothing like it. So why would I go away, right? And honestly, it's the same response when your friends or your family ask you, well, why are you going to church? If you're a college student and you got somebody in your dorm, why are you getting up so early on Sunday and going to church? Are you okay? Your, your response, honestly, it should be the same. Don't you know that I have to be in my father's house? Don't you recognize the freedom that I get? Man, I get, I get, hey, I get a good hour and a half away from y'all, but man, don't you recognize just the freedom that I get by coming into the house of God that things start to move and change in my life? It's the place when I come to, man, when I get into his presence that, man, I begin to know God in a different way. And I find some freedom in my life. I discover purpose in my life. And, and, and then, you know what I can do, man? I can go out and then I can make a difference. And it's because I've come into a place where I feel the tangible presence of God. When you start thinking about it for a moment, when you start thinking about the presence of God, there's gladness that starts stirring up in you. It's because you recognize the transformation that's being made in your life. When you start to look back on your life and you see where you came from to where you are right now, imagine what it would look like right now if you did not have the opportunity to be in the presence of God. What would that look like for you? Would it be the same? Would you even be sitting here? No, it's, it's, it's the presence of God that transforms our lives. Look, 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, and we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory. What do we do when we come in here to worship? We are contemplating the Lord's glory. And look, we are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, again, who is the Spirit. So when I come into the presence of God, I literally am being transformed with ever-increasing glory. There is something that's amazing that's happening in, in my life and in your life when you have the opportunity to come into this place. And that is why Jesus, right, stayed behind in Jerusalem in the temple. He had to be in his father's house. He had to be there. You have to be in your father's house. There should be nothing that stands in the way of you coming into the presence of God. Of you coming into this father's house. What Jesus said and what we develop in our walk in doing that is we develop a heart for the house. We develop a heart for the father's house. What does that look like? I'm going to give you two things that that looks like. The, The first one is this. It's a sincere, a deep, and a strong love for the house of God and a burning desire to dwell in it. That's what we've been talking about. That there is a burning desire in the pit of your belly that whenever you start to think about the presence of God, that you desire to dwell there. You have such a love for the house of God that nobody can talk bad about God in front of you. Nobody can talk bad about church. Look, I love my church. 
And I love the big C church. There is a love for the house of God and a burning desire to, to dwell in it. And, and, and that desire is developed gradually as we continuous, continuously experience that transformation. As God works in our life, man, it just builds and builds and builds in our life. Time after time, day after day, revelation after revelation that we get in the house of God, it builds up more and more, more and more, more and more. We're, we're, we're building up that desire. What's the second thing? What's the second thing? Well, if we're talking about what a heart for the house is, what's, if I could get a, give a second definition of it, it's this. It's a hunger. It's a hunger to help the house thrive and grow. So not only is it, is it a desire for me to dwell in it, a burning passion in my heart to be there myself, but what actually is birthed out of that is a hunger to see the house of God strive and grow. That actually, I'm not happy if, I'm not glad if the church stays the same. I'm actually glad when the church is able to expand and grow, and, and man, and, and I can start to see more people come into the house of God. Because when we experience greatness, you ever go to a great restaurant, what do you do? You tell somebody about it. Ever go to a, a great vacation spot, what do you do? You kind of humble brag on it a little bit, right? You want to tell somebody, man, here's where I went. Here's where, look, let me show you the pictures of where I went. Let me scroll through it for you so you can see why. Because it, had, it left such an indelible mark in you that you felt like, man, I want somebody else to share in this as well. That's that hunger to see it strive and grow. As we see others experience too, look, King David, right, in the word, he summed this up so well. We, we read it earlier. He says, one thing that I ask from the Lord, and this is the only thing that I'm seeking, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, that my hunger and my desire is so great that literally I could, man, I, I got to stay there. I have to stay in this house to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. And here's the thing, your heart for the house, it isn't measured solely on what you gain from it, what you get from the house, right, or, or what personally blesses you, but it's also measured by what you're willing to sacrifice and to give to see that others are blessed by it too. Yeah. It's not just about you, but it's about, you know what? Man, I take the responsibility on myself to make sure that if I'm being blessed, that I'm making sure that somebody else has the opportunity to be blessed too. And that's what helps us to fulfill our vision. Told you all about that last week. Let me say it again, right? What's the vision of, of this particular house of God? And really, it's the big C church, right? It's to bring people that are far from God to a place where they are one heart with him and one heart with the family of God. That we would, man, allow as many people and bring as many people as we can into the house of God so that they can experience that same experience that you felt when you come in. So that somebody else, when they come in, man, maybe they're coming in and they're carrying struggles and they're carrying burdens and they're carrying worries and they're carrying doubt and they're carrying fear that, man, they, and this has caused them to be far from God. 
that we would create a place. I preached a, a, a series a couple years ago called Set the Atmosphere, right? That we would set the atmosphere to create a place where they could come in and, and that same experience that we have with the cares of the world being lifted away would start to lift off of them too. So that they can recognize the spirit of God and allow that same transformation to begin to happen in them. If we're going to fulfill that vision, we have to recognize our role, that we play a part in doing whatever it takes to make this possible. And the greatest thing that, that we have that, that, that we could give to make this happen, it's not money, it's your time. What's the greatest thing that you could give into helping other people experience what you experience? I could ask you for a, a, a monetary blessing or an offering, and, and we're doing that, and that's a part of it, but the greatest thing that you could ever give is actually your time. It's actually your time. Look, uh, Luke 2, uh, 249, read it earlier. Let me read it from the KJV. It says this. It says, Jesus said to his parents, why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? Just a different variation on the scripture, right? He says, man, didn't you know I must be about my father's business? What is the business of the father? It's to, man, it's, it, the, the business that our father's trying to accomplish is connected to his house. And a lot of times we try to separate the two, right? We try to say, well, man, I can be saved. I can live saved, man, without, without going to church. Man I, man, I can do, man, I can be all that I need to be without actually going into the house of God. That's not what God said. He's saying, actually, I'm glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. So there's a connection that we see there between the business of God, what God is trying to accomplish, and his house. Those two things go hand in hand. They are not separate. Don't let anybody fool you into trying to thinking that the church does not play a role in people's salvation and life change. Even if you get saved outside of the church, you need to be in a house that will help continue the process of transformation in your life. It's what's necessary. And that's why Jesus says in John 9, he says, look, we must work the works of him who sent me. While it is day, the night is coming when no one can work. I love this part. He says, look, as long as I am in the world, as long as I have time is really what he's saying, I am the light of the world. And we have to adopt that same perspective that Jesus had about our lives. We have to see it in the same way, that as long as we have some life in your earthly body, in this earth suit, as long as you have time left in here, I don't care how old or how young you are, as long as you've got life in this body, in this vessel that you're walking in, then you should be spending that time being the light. Y'all heard me. As long as you have some life in your body, your job is to be about the Father's business, to do the works that he's called us all to do. This is what Jesus said, that, man, we would be about being the light, that we would spend our time doing that. Now, we would, man, be spending our time being about the Father's business. Doing what? Generously serving others. 
If you describe anything that Jesus did throughout his life, lived on the earth, what did he do? He generously served others. There are so many things that you could describe Jesus, his life by, but I felt like if Jesus wrote a book and it was, well, what did Jesus do? Here's what he did. He generously served others. That's what he did. And so that, if we're his followers, that has to be our stance. That has to be our endeavor because here's what the transformation did for you. Here's what, man, you, somebody else taking on that endeavor, man, here's what it opened up for you, right? It helped you, right, to begin to understand and feel the presence of God. Because somebody else took time to be about the works of God, right? To, man, to be the light. Come on, there was somebody that, that talked to you about Jesus that you were just like, why, why are you talking to me, right? There was somebody else, they were about the Father's business. And because of that, right, it, it, it helped you to begin to understand and feel God's presence for yourself. And when you came into the house of God, for some of you, maybe you were a loner. Or maybe you're somebody who didn't have a lot of friends. Or maybe somebody, you man, you've been mistreated by your family. Man, but when you came into the house of God, you found community. Yeah. Come on, that's somebody's testimony. Man, I didn't have community before, but when I got into the house of God, when I got around the people of God, man, I found my people. I found community. Some of our very best friends, our very best friends, every single one of them we met in church. Every single one we met in the house of God. Every single one of them serves faithfully in their churches. I, we found our community. And for a lot of you, that's your testimony. You've dealt with shady friends, but now you find some, some, found some lifelong friends who are about the same pursuit of life that you are. Yeah. You found your community. And it's because somebody did the work. They were about God's business. They were about being the light. For some of you, for me, it's where I found and where all of us really, really found and began to pursue our calling and purpose in life. It's in the house of God. It wasn't on your job, hallelujah for your career, but man, really finding that thing that's on the inside, your purpose and your calling, if you're honest about it, you found that in the house of God. Maybe it was just you're the person that just, man, you connect with people and, man, you get to talk to people and, and that's, that's what you found, but you found it in the house of God. Pastor, uh, come on now, you're, you're saying that God is asking me to sacrifice my time, to give my time? Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. That's what he's saying. Well, Pastor, that's a lot. What you're asking is a lot. You know what? You're right. Luke 12, 48 says, from everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. If, if you got community, if you found your purpose, if you found a place to, to, man, to experience God's presence, you've been given a lot. And so, from everyone who has been given much, much will actually be demanded. That's what the word says. I didn't say it. That's what the word says. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. So it talks to two different levels. It talks to the person, maybe you haven't, maybe you didn't know that there was a demand and, and a requirement on you to give your time. So now you know. And for the person that's been in the world past, I've been working. Okay, great. You've been entrusted with much. Here's some more. <laughs> Why? It's because the vision doesn't change. 
right? We, 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 this, this call that we have, this purpose in our life is still there, and God is still trying to do the work. He's trying to bring as many people as he can into his family so that no one would be lost, that's what he's trying to do in our life. And so, look, I get it. That times a lot, right? I'm telling you, yes, it's actually the most important currency that you will ever spend yeah. is your time. Yeah. So it makes sense that when you start to think about the sacrifice, that it would be the biggest sacrifice that you're probably going to make in your life is your time. That giving that time to the Lord, giving that time to fulfill God's purpose would actually be tough for us. Why? It's because your time is precious. But if you think about it, your time isn't your time. You're living on borrowed time. We all are. And how you choose to spend that time will show you how much you actually value your calling and your purpose. Mary and Joseph, look, they spent three days tracking Jesus down. And I can imagine that somewhere along the way, Joseph got a little upset. Now, Mary, where your boy at? Huh? Where's he at? We've been looking, and I told the boy, stay, stay in the caravan. Stay next to this donkey. But here he go, and he's gone. I can imagine. Look, come on, be honest. I can imagine Joseph getting a little upset. Why are we searching? Where is this boy at? Where is he at? I can imagine him being frustrated. Why? Because he might have felt like, man, I'm wasting my time. Some of us feel like that about the house of God when, when the word, I don't even want to say it because it might scare you, when the word volunteer comes out. When, when the word serve, oh gosh, I'm sorry, it's like a cuss word. When the word serve comes out, we, we start to get angry. Oh, pastor, you didn't have to say that. When we start, man, when, when you start asking for that, you're like, well, well I, there's other things that I could be doing. Man, look, here, but here's the thing about it. That time that you give is invaluable. Look at what happened to Jesus. Verse 52 said that he grew in wisdom, he grew in stature, and he grew in favor with the Lord just by him spending time. Him getting it in his mind that he had to be in God's temple. What happens? Look, if I'm honest, that's what happened to me. I lived in, in God's presence. I wasn't allowed to not go to church. I can name on two hands the amount of times of Sundays in my life that I have not been in church or watching or something. And you know what happened to me because of that? I grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God. And the same thing will happen for you. Well, I mean, Pastor, come on, right? We get frustrated, right? I talked about volunteering. I, I talked about serving. Man, Pastor, you're asking us to do outreach now? You're asking us to go and, 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 and do stuff on the streets and, and to go and reach people. Pastor, you're asking us to do setup on, on a Saturday? Pastor, you're asking us to break down. We just had service and you asked me to break down. Man, Pastor, you're asking, Pastor, you're asking me to come to church. Come to church? Pastor, are you serious? Jump online? We can kind of get this attitude, man. I feel like, man, we're being asked to give so much time, man, to satisfy the needs of others. And, and it feels like my needs aren't being met. Or maybe, you know what, if I had some extra time, come on, anybody have said that? If I had some extra time, I'd give it. Well, here's a good one. Man, I, I, I'm sure they, they don't need me now. I, I'm, I'm sure that I can, I can, I can do it later. How much longer will we live lives so focused on satisfying ourselves and still say we serve a sacrificial Savior? How much longer can we really say that and really say that we follow Jesus 
who literally gave his everything for us. And then we look back and he gave, right? And we look back and we say, well, God, I, I really, I don't know if I have time for that. Can, how long can we really say that? And here's the thing about it. Generosity isn't produced from your excess. It comes from a sacrificial heart, recognizing that there is a need greater than just your need. Do you have needs? Yes. But there are some greater needs outside of you. And those things will actually be satisfied when we help to meet that need. What's inside of you, right? That's that hunger. You want to know what that is? It's, it's, you, it's that satisfaction. That's that desire. That's what's on the inside trying to be satisfied. And it can only be satisfied in the house of God. And it can only be satisfied by doing the work of God. Look, that's why Jesus, and I'm almost done. That's what Jesus says in John 8, 4, uh, uh, John 4, 34. He says, my food, what is he saying there? My satisfaction, what satisfies me on the inside is to do the work will of him who sent me and to finish his work. What's going to satisfy you? It's not going to be found in the world. I promise you that. It's going to be found by you doing the work and finishing the work that he called you to. He goes on to say, man, don't you have a saying it's still four months until harvest? Man, isn't that, man, can't I wait until later? And he says, look, I tell you, Open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. What's another way of saying that? The time is now. It's now. Even now, the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life so that the sower and reaper, look at this, may be glad together. There's that word again of joy and happiness and fulfillment. That's that gladness. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. A lot of us, when we come into the presence of God, we're reaping what we have not worked for. Others have done the hard work, and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. If you're sitting on a chair, somebody came out yesterday to put that chair down. You are reaping the benefits of their labor. So many times and in so many ways, others have sacrificed so that we would have the opportunity to feel glad in the house of God. There are people who have a heart, a genuine heart for the house and are doing the will of him who sent them to finish his work so that you could reap. So my question to you today is, will you sow? Will you sow? Will you sow so that someone else can be glad in the house of God? Will you sow? Psalms 27.4 again, right? He says, one thing, David says, one thing that I ask of the Lord, it's one thing that I'm seeking after, that I may dwell in the house of God to behold the beauty of the Lord and to encounter him, KJV says, to encounter him in his temple. One desire that we should have, it's not just to come in through the doors, that's great, I'm glad you're here, but it should also be to see, you know what? How can I dwell? How can I live? How can I give generously serving others so that not only am I glad, 
but that there's somebody else I've sowed and they reaped. And you know what? We're actually glad together because we both sacrificed. Not that I saw somebody else sacrifice and I didn't choose to sacrifice, but that we both sacrificed. We, when we both saw the, 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 the purpose and the benefit of sacrificing together so that the house of God would be blessed, that the house of God would be uplifted, so that the house of God would be able to continue on in the vision that God has given us, to reach people that are so far from God, to reach my family members and my friends that are so far from God that they don't feel like God wants them anymore. Maybe they've been burdened down by this season, they've been burdened down by their struggles, and they feel like, man, why should I even come to church? It's the time that God is asking you to sow so that those friends have a place where they can come in and maybe all they have felt is depression and all they have felt is sadness and all they have felt is hopelessness and all they have felt is struggle. But you are inviting them to a place where they can begin to feel glad, where the, where the weight of the world momentarily for an hour, hour and a half is lifted off their shoulders and they can begin to feel and experience the transformation that comes from being in the presence of God. And the one thing that you can give is your time. Yes, it's volunteering. Yes, it's serving. Yeah, yeah, you may have to cancel something. Man, you might have to give something. You might, have to, you might not be able to go to, to, to brunch with your friends on a Saturday because you came to serve. Maybe after service, man, you, your lunch got pushed back an hour because you said, you know what, man, I want to jump in and see what I can do to be a part, to serve, to make sure that the house of God has what it needs. David says in the beginning of uh, uh, Second Chronicles, I believe, Second Chronicles, where he, he says they, they have just won a big battle and, and, he, and he comes in and he's having this conversation with Nathan and, and he says, Nathan, man, I'm living in this palace. Man, I've got this nice place and we just, man, we won the war and we worshiped. But he was like, if I'm honest, the church is in a tent right now and I'm living in the palace. And sometimes with our time, we can be in a palace and the church is in a tent, but we don't say, there's something right about this. Imagine what could happen if we all pitched in together and gave our time into the house of God. There'd never be a need. If we all, if we all just gave a tenth to give, there would never be a need. We'd never have to make emergency calls on a Saturday or Sunday to see if somebody can work, to see if, man, can somebody be there to open the doors? Can somebody be there to set up? I make this pitch not to guilt you, but I make this pitch to encourage you and to challenge you into the calling that God has placed on your life, that God desires for you to dwell in his house all the days of your life, that you might be able to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and that you would seek him in his temple that somebody else would as well. Bow your heads, let me pray for you. Lord, I thank you so much 
Lord, I thank you that even today, maybe we didn't know what it felt like to have a heart for the house, but God, as Lord, as you uh, articulated it through the words that I said, Lord, I pray that that somebody understood and understands what it means to be in the presence of God, how important and how valuable that is. Lord, that we come together, man, once a week just to, man, to give time to honor and worship your name. Lord, I pray that, that, that you would encourage us to go beyond that, to be willing to give time beyond that, to help somebody else come into the presence of God as well. Lord, there's somebody here, somebody watching that might be struggling in this moment or might be feeling like, man, that, that you're not for them, but God, you designed your temple, you designed your church to be the place where they could come in and feel you. We're just like the song says, man, that if you're lost, you can look and in that place, you will find me time after time. If you fall, it's a place where, Lord, where you catch us. It's where you'll be waiting for us time after time. Lord, you set this place up for us that we might be able to experience you. And God, we're so grateful for it. While I'm watching here, if there's anybody that's in this room or anybody that's watching online and this is new for you. Even being in church now is new for you. Coming into the presence of God is new for you. And it's because you don't have a relationship with the Lord, but you recognize the value in being connected to God, of being in his presence, of being with him, of knowing him as your Lord and Savior. If you don't, if you can't say that today, if, if you don't know him in that way, I want to invite you to say a prayer with me today that would begin that process for you, of you, man, taking those gradual and continuous steps of experiencing God in your life and knowing the life and the blessings and, and the gladness that being connected to Jesus brings to all of our lives. If that's you and you're in the room, just lift your hand up, put it right back down. Nobody's looking at you. Every head's bowed, every eye's closed. If, if you don't have a relationship with God today, if you're watching online and you don't have a relationship with God today, just let us know. Just stick a hand up, even in the comment section. We just want to pray with you and pray for you. If you're here, maybe you, you left the house of God for a while and you're just starting to come back and get connected and you're saying, look, I, I need to make sure that I'm firm in my connection with the Lord. That's me. I've been away for so long. Man, I've been, I've been far away from God for so long, but it's time for me to come back and be connected to the God that loves me. If that's you, just lift your hand up. Put it right back down. Nobody's looking. Well, Lord, I thank you for every single person in this room. Every single one of us who needs to experience you and to feel you, God, that, man, we're going to say this prayer anyway. Even for those, maybe somebody's watching online that doesn't have a connection with you and wants to know you in a real way. God, as we say these words together, I pray that you would bless all of us, that we might walk anew with you today. Y'all say this prayer with me loud and clear so that we can help those who want to be saved today. Say, Lord, say it real loud for me. Say, Lord, I thank you for loving me. I thank you for caring about me. I thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for my sin and my shame and my guilt. I repent today of my sin, and I choose to follow you from this day forward. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message. If you want to hear more about this series or learn more about our church, check us out at cityheartjackson.com or follow us online at cityheartjxn.